0: Hello, this is Aerie in the Air. Welcome back to the Aerie in the Air podcast. Thanks for being here. Today, I've got a conversation with my friend Skylar Brown. She is an embodiment coach. And public feeler, as we identified in our previous recording on this podcast, we talk about pathways back to embodiment, and it's a really interesting conversation, and I think you're going to like it. So, if you're new to this show, welcome. If you're a returning victim, then... Thanks for being here. Consider becoming a patron on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash air Or you could do paypal.me slash air as a one-time donation just to reach out and say, I like what you're doing. Thanks. It's very encouraging for me. I also do philosophical coaching. So you can visit my website, AerieInTheAir.com, sign up for my newsletter, or go to the coaching page and sign up for a free Intro call with me. I'd love to talk to you and I've been having a great time doing philosophical coaching lately. So, without further ado, here's some music and my talk with Skylar Brown. back. Thanks for being here again.
1: Hi, Ari. Such a pleasure.
0: Yeah. Nice to have a solid check in with you. feels super good. (laughs) So our last talk was just so good and lit me up just big time. And I just like gushed about it. I gushed about it. And people are like, have asked me, Oh, what, what episode do you recommend? I'm like, listen to this with Skylar. You have to listen to this.
1: Oh, wow. That's so good Um, to hear.
0: And I've had a bunch of people reach out who just loved that and it left me feeling like mm. we had we had more there was more here as my brain kind of like reeled after that conversation it made me kind of think it was actually after our conversation you did a STOA session that mm-hmm. i was at mm-hmm. and in a breakout room there was a man who is asking this question that I felt like I kind of had my own experience. That was an answer to it.
2: Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we're
0: going to get to that. Okay. But first I just want to back up and have just a brief, my own brief summary of what our last talk was, which it started in the most hilarious, beautiful light way, which was you paraphrasing and doing your best Bonita Roy interpretation, which was, Why the hell are we talking about embodiment? Everyone's embodied. We're all embodied. And that was very clarifying for me because embodiment as the idea that we are in bodies, we are where we are, we are who we are, is such a beautiful thing. That's so beautiful. And I have in the past, in my own life, tried to like wrestle myself into being my best self or the next evolution of humanity or like a really good person or like all of these different things. And the idea that embodiment is just like who I am. It's like rooted in the earth. And I came from the earth and I was like handed a psyche and I was handed a body and I was handed like a culture. And I was like, I'm not responsible for any of that shit. Like, I don't like, it's not my fault and it's not, I don't get credit for it. But where you went next was essentially, what do we do with that? How do we deepen into that? Mm. We talked about how business and the industrial revolution at large, I think has, mm. is predicated on disembodiment that we have to be outside of our connections to nature, outside of our bodily everything to really make that ecological destruction happen to have rivalrous relationships with one another. It's just like, it's not natural for us to have rivalrous everything's so it's rivalry is natural. In some senses, but this like entire system built on rivalry is not, as far as I can tell. So the thing that I really wanted to talk to you about
2: mm-hmm.
0: was ways back into our body,
2: mm-hmm. ways
0: back to embodiment. The two and I'll just tell you what I this little experience I had in the breakout room of your stone mm-hmm. session essentially. The man was asking about diet. Hmm. And I think that my path back to embodiment is a few fold. The first and the most visceral that I've had that I've been doing my entire life is through movement
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. and particularly really scary movement. (laughs) <laughs> movement that makes like my, the, the back of my brain light up and I get scared and I have to like really work through it and push through it and, and achieve something that I really want. But as an adult, the biggest change I had was I started dating this wonderful woman. Who's an Ayurvedic practitioner. I think I mentioned this in the last recording and she just led a beautiful example of Mm -hmm. being tuned into her body via her her digestion. Mm -hmm. She was very polite and sometimes we would sit down and her food would be in front of her and she just wasn't quite ready to eat and she would just sit there and wait until Mm -hmm. her body was ready for her to eat. She would chew her food really mindfully She would refuse food that she knew her body didn't like. And she would listen very carefully on any given day to what it was that her body wanted. So she also never told me what to do. She never told me what to eat. She never criticized the diet that I had. And I've always, I've cooked for myself for a really long time. I'm a great cook. And slowly over time, I just started
2: kind of like Feeling my own digestion, mm. and over time, I just kind of like let my
0: cognitive mind like i I gave permission to myself to make decisions that were based on the signals that I was getting from my body,
2: mm-hmm.
0: because food is so incredibly culturally ingrained and socially. Ingrained that it's like you don't want to turn down someone's food, you don't want to say no to a beer, you don't want to like offend anyone. There's so many of these things,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and so I had to really like work through that, and it led me to feeling my body in a way that I'd never had. I felt my demeanor change. Before the Ayurvedic practitioner, I was married to a Mexican woman and traveled to Mexico extensively and cooked the spiciest food that you can imagine. And I just had this, I had this enormous spice tolerance, but I was also a little bit fiery in my demeanor. (laughs) And so I just noticed so many things changing in my demeanor, in my thoughts, in how I felt by coming back to my body and giving myself permission to listen to the signals of my body. So this is just one example. So movement, diet, sexuality, I think those are the three that we can kind of focus on today. You're a self, mm-hmm. self-described yogini.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: think that that's probably tied into movement.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ayurveda is so much. Also
1: of- sexuality.
0: <laughs> exactly, right? depends on what
1: kind of yogini
0: (laughs) yeah i would love to hear i would and i would love to hear the connection of sexuality and yoga Mm -hmm. as well so let's hear it
1: well okay so where first of all that was really beautiful i just um was following your journey and uh starting to get hungry actually (laughs) So where do you want, so where do you want to start? Cause I, I mean, I have, it's funny, this, this topic, um, I have mixed feelings about which we could, uh, the food part, um, which I think we could probably tease out. I mean, so let me just clarify. So we're looking for ways back to the body mm-hmm. to get more, to have a deeper, more intimate, more, um, precise, I guess, relationship to our bodily experience. Yeah. Subtle, subtle.
0: Yeah. So to, to, to succinctly clarify, it is that in 2021, we are at least a hundred, if not more years into kind of disassociating from our body and disrupting the connection between our bodies and the earth and our place in it. And it seems like there are paths back to a really deep sense of embodiment and you don't have to like, I'm not trying to convince you that food is a, is a great way, but what are, what are, what do you think? What are the best ways when people do you have clients that come to you disembodied and, and disassociated from their bodies and want paths back? How do you, how do you, how do you guide them back?
1: (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Well, usually they don't want a path back to the body. They want something else. They want Mm. to feel more. um, Usually there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of pressure. These are like people who are high performers, let's say, mm-hmm. and they've hit a wall. So uh, the success, like whatever led them to the level of success that they achieved is suddenly no longer working. Like maybe it's a CEO whose family life is falling apart or a, you know an executive who's like there's a meaning crisis. Mm-hmm. in their work suddenly it's like wait I just made it to the top of the ladder and I'm looking around and I'm like I don't even want to be here mm. what happened um so or um let's see I'm just thinking of other ways that it presents the disembodied piece a confusion about relationships mm-hmm. um like an inability to really understand why there's conflict, or what's going on in certain dynamics, whether it's a parent-child or a lover or a friend or a business partner, um, and so you know, like very few people who come to me are looking to get into the body. That's not that's not mm-hmm. what they're looking for. <laughs> they're looking for what we're all looking for. You know, they're looking for peace. They're looking for happiness. They're looking for, um, inspiration. They're looking for love. They're looking for, um, a sense of belonging. They're looking for purpose and meaning like, you know, these are like, they're looking for the things that make life worth living. Right. (sighs) So, um, yeah. So we start with wherever you're at, you know, like I always start with whatever, like, however it's presenting mm-hmm. the the tension or the discomfort or the friction, um, like whatever it looks like, that's the way that's, it's like that simple. Um, the hard part is getting people into their bodies really. Cause this is a tricky, um, it's a really, it can be a tricky journey back home, let's say, because like your example of the spiciness is a good example. Um, like there are certain ways we start to feel like normalize in a state of dissociation or in a state of, I don't know, high arousal or low arousal, depending on your temperament, you know? So it's like, High arousal would be, you know, probably more what you tend towards, it seems like, where it's like, (gasps) I want to be on the edge. I want to be scared. I want to be, you know, I want that kind of like hum in the system. Mm -hmm. And low arousal, and there are so many of these, like you might think that's counterintuitive. Why would I want that? Well, that's more like a numbing Mm -hmm. out. And if you look around America, you see a lot of this. It's like Mm -hmm. on some level, there's so much pain or discomfort or um, in, uh, well discontent various degrees in the system <clears throat> that people are just like, I can't take it. Like, I just want to numb out. I don't want to think about it. So I'm going to go onto my phone. I'm going to binge watch shows. I'm going to drink. Mm-hmm. I'm going to smoke. I'm going to like, t- you know, I'm going to like, disconnect from my emotional response to my family like i'm just gonna check out um and so when we you know when i'm asking or when we start to come back into the body like high arousal also would be like a high performing ceo type you know it's like a that there's a virility to it a lot of times where just like a go and and it can be men women anyone does gender doesn't matter but um there's a like a way that the landing can feel like, oh, it's like suddenly I realize how tired I am. Mm-hmm. Or sudden, or this is a really uncomfortable place for me actually to be on the ground, to be quiet, to not be humming, you know, or whatever, like whatever is kind of the the, it's like the, it's on tilt, you know, and it's like we're gonna take it back to here. Mm-hmm. So that we can actually feel what equilibrium is like right yeah.
0: it's like the absence of your coping mechanism whatever it is whether it's yeah positive yeah or a negative Your the absence of your coping mechanism
1: exactly and so like coffee for example like a lot of people are so habituated to that caffeinated mm-hmm. state um and i know what that's like i love caffeine it's an amazing drug <laughs> it is But, you know, and it elevates mood. Like there's a lot that it's it's doing. Mm -hmm. Also helping us keep up with the rat race. You know, the rat race is highly caffeinated. So if you take that out of the system, anyone who's ever been on a detox is like, wow. I mean, it's like the world is moving slow motion or I can't quite muster the energy to perform. And that's scary because then things will come up around my worth my value if i'm not performing will they love me it's so and this is all i mean i'm I'm talking about a lot of emotions but that's what's in the body yes so um yeah so that's that's kind of the the journey is so personal Mm. this is amazing
0: (laughs) i love the idea (laughs) that that I ask, how do we get back to our bodies? And you're like, no one wants to get back to our bodies. Everyone wants to like feel good. (laughs) And, and in a way I hear that, like the way to feeling good is like through our bodies. It's like building up like who we are and where we are in, in like reality.
1: Well, that's the thing we're learning. I think, right. Like, like at a certain point, you recognize that the way to the happiness, the way to the purpose, the way to the meaning is, is through the body. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's just the getting there, you know, it's like, it's the, it's any breaking any habit, you know, it's like breaking the habitual patterns is the hard part. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like your Ayurvedic um, girlfriend, teacher, sounds like, you know, there was a very, like a gentle, um, a way that there was an easeful journey for you into an awareness mm-hmm. that she was modeling mm-hmm. basically. Um, and so, you know, it doesn't have to be hard, can be very sweet. Love is a good, a good medium container. for the lessons <laughs> to come through. That. Fantastic. <laughs>
0: It was also really slow, Uh took a long time. Okay. That was some, you know, two years that like over the course of two years, my diet very slowly changed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think, you know, we're just at the beginning, like it needs to be said as we talk about these things that this, I mean, part of what we're doing when we, I mean, okay. So for me, let's just put it this way not to talk in generalizations but one of the ways i experience embodiment is more and more of my subtle body landing in the material body more and more of my spirit infusing matter and there's a little bit of an invitation like spirit doesn't necessarily want to be in matter so if we make our bodies blissful if we make our bodies a res- like a receptive, like a beautiful, healthy environment, mm-hmm. the spirit is more likely, like the, bo- the subtle is more likely and more interested really in being here, be here now. It's more interested in being here now. So, I mean, that is what the bliss practices to get around to the sexuality and the yoga. It's like the bliss practices are in part to cultivate an environment and an experience that is so intoxicating and inviting so ecstatic mm-hmm. it's like the best time we can have here in the body
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the subtle body is like yeah I, i'm down with that i like that experience like i'll come in for that mm-hmm. So I'm obviously simplifying it and personifying something that really shouldn't be personified. But um, I, I I find that this is a, um, a nice way to relate to what's happening when we're trying to get m- more embodied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious how that lands with you. I don't, I've never shared that publicly. I'm still, I'm just working on this. I mean, these are all theories that I am, I am no expert. I'm like every day experimenting. I'm like an alchemist in the kitchen, in the lab, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, what's the experiment today? It's just like you on the mountains, you know, like this is my idea of fun.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the idea. I love this idea that you just put forward that in a state of bliss, your spiritual body is much more likely, much more willing to inhabit your physical body and for you to be able to experience it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Think about dancing. I mean, for me, dancing is a big one. Um, You talked about movement. So whatever movement could be yoga, could be dancing, could Mm -hmm. be sports, you know, it's could be surfing, like the Tai Chi, whatever it is. It's like uh, when I'm dancing, there's a, point there's often a point where i lose myself small self Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and something else descends like Mm -hmm. something else comes in and then i'm just completely animated with that Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and you can think of it as something outside of yourself or you can think of it as yourself and uh so
0: I like the latter.
1: Yeah. It's like that ecstatic, like the fun that I'm having, the bliss in the body, the joy. Maybe I'm dancing with someone that we're relating. It's all um it's just something that my spirit enjoys very much.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting too, because it doesn't happen every time I dance. I don't just like start dancing and it happens. I don't just like get on a slack line and that happens. There's like It's almost like it it makes me think of big magic. The idea that the muse, the spirit shows up at the implement and not at the artist. It's like it shows up at the dancing. It doesn't show up like sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. You have to dance to find out if it's like going to show up in you today.
1: Oh, I love that. Yes.
0: The what you said about the bliss connects to how i experienced the change in my digestion because mm-hmm. i have started to call these moments gut bliss where like i can feel my digestion as so incredibly
2: positive like happy like easy like like the
0: <laughs> it's weird to say it's like my digestion is in flow state <laughs>
1: that's amazing. I think that's probably accurate.
0: Yeah. Seriously. Like when I (laughs) care for my body in a certain way, through my rest, through what I eat, through hydration, through my exercise, all these things. And it kind of lines up and also like timing of when I eat and what I eat and the order in which I eat them and the pace at which I eat them. It's like, it seems like when I do it right, I just like have this amazing feeling in my digestion, it feels so good. And it brings me so much joy. I just like, like you, I can't frown when I'm just like feeling this amazing bliss in my digestion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that you called it the, the bliss practices because I have experienced as I call it gut bliss.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. And yeah. sometimes
0: I feel it in my mouth when I'm eating something that I really, really like, that I've cooked, that I really, really like. Yeah. Like that's totally a part of it.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this the, this, the sensual, the, the subtle body is a very sensual instrument, ah. it, incredibly sensual. It is a savoring instrument. It, it loves good food. It loves pleasure. It loves touch. It loves a good scent. It loves, uh, you know, take all, like you could could just run through the senses. And so like what we're talking about, like as, so it's (laughs) another thing is, I think we talked about this last time, like our world is so gross. Yeah. It's so harsh in a way in many ways, that when you're cultivating this relationship to the subtle body, when you're inviting the subtle body in, when you're refining, that's a great word, refining your relationship to the senses, Mm. cleansing the palate of all the senses. And you begin to tune into the subtle senses. So subtle seeing, subtle hearing, subtle taste, subtle touch. Like you begin to tune into those the world becomes like wow a lot
0: to handle it becomes very overstimulated
1: almost it's incredibly overstimulated um so yeah i mean this is another it's just like a little bit of a um i I, I don't know what to call it's like a signpost on the path it's like i'm not saying don't do it because I don't, because a lot of people like myself. So I was, um, you know, this term highly sensitive people Uh and it's, it's like categorized like a dysfunction, Uh right? Like, Oh, I'm an HSP. So, you know, it's hard for me to go to loud concerts or like too many people in a space talking like there are things that are just like (gasps) on the nervous system. And, uh, so, you know, it's, it can be intimidating. I don't know. Like it's a thing to refine your senses. It is like it, it requires, I mean, you know, this, like you refine your digestion, you eat clean, you eat well, and then someone invites you out for burgers and a beer or, or whatever. No, no. Like I have no problem with burgers or beer. I'm just saying. And so then you go do it.
0: You oblige the burger in the beer. Or in my experience, it's like you take one bite of something garlicky and you're just like your entire esophagus and stomach is like becomes hot.
1: Yeah. So I think it's just, um, you know, it's like the middle way, you know, it's like not being so extreme on either side that we can, um, you know, that we can experience the range without a lot of problems but my point was just that you refine the senses and then it becomes difficult to engage with coarser uh experiences Mm. yeah that's interesting but it does put you in touch i mean the, the point of doing it is that you can contact like the experience of savoring a beautiful bite of food like this this kind of ecstatic sublime relating with the subtle world is not only blissful and pleasant, but I think essential to our survival. We're back to the ecological crisis. Like uh. nature <laughs> is everything. Cause you can't say she's just a subtle communicator because we see something like what happened in Kentucky, which is my home state. So opposite of subtle, you know, tornadoes blasting through, um, a place, but like if you're walking in the woods and you really want the wisdom of the trees or you want the wisdom of the plants, it's a an extremely like it takes subtle sensing.
2: Uh-huh.
0: That's a quiet little hum.
1: Yeah, or you're it's traveling.
0: Not, it's not a it's not an LCD screen.
1: No, not definitely blink, not.
0: It's not no. bright and blinking in your face.
1: Right. And so the wisdom that we need from other species, is or or from the subtle realms the beings that are prepared to help us we're being called to become adept at moving between the subtle realm and the material realm
0: yeah and there's this idea here and i want to just like back up and double click on a couple things one is this idea that the wisdom of the trees is a very quiet hum that if we want to be able to hear it we have to essentially attune ourselves to being able to hear that volume of input, which in a world where we are just like, there's as much bass as I like, and <laughs> there's like the, the volumes are turned up here in flavor, in color, in everything. I'm a volume up person, always have been. And so um, this has been a journey for me. So, but I also just evolutionarily speaking, it's like my mouth wants to protect me from eating things that the body doesn't want. Like my sense of taste, my sense of smell, my, my sense of smell tells me what is rotten and what is not rotten. If a strawberry tastes fermented, I spit it out because my mouth is like spit that fucking strawberry out right now. Right. I, I, I wasn't had, I, I wasn't taught culturally. I wasn't brought up to spit out rotten strawberries. My body spits out rotten strawberries. So there's this, and that's like kind of a, that's one of the loud signals that we can pretty easily tell, right? Physical pain is a, is our bodies trying to talk to us to like modify what's happening in our environment. So the idea that we would become sensitive again is essentially evolution. And if, if I just like, if I just spit some Schmachtenberger at you real quick here, (laughs) mollusks are very old mollusks are very slow to evolve because hmm. they create a hard shell around themselves and they are very insensitive to changes in the environment the changes in water temperature in salinity in ph all these different things it's relatively protected itself from and so as the universe has changed over millions and millions and millions of years, the mollusks have stayed exactly the fucking same, (laughs) but humans are exponentially more complex than mollusks. And we are so much more sensitive. I can feel the wind on my face. I can sense changes in barometric pressure, in temperature, in lighting. I can kind of predict the weather. Like I'm so incredibly sensitive. And that's because I am more complex. So as the universe evolves from matter to life to mind, it increases in orders of complexity. Increasing orders of complexity come with new sensitivities. So a huge misconception that we have had, especially men, is that evolution and sensitivity are not exactly the same thing. Evolution and sensitivity are one and the same. As mm-hmm. you evolve, you become more sensitive.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's just how it is. To become less sensitive, you go towards mollusk, towards building a shell around yourself so that your environment doesn't affect you. If you want to evolve, you have to allow and cultivate a deeper and deeper and deeper sensitivity all of the time. A sensitivity of your emotions and your body and all of the things that you can possibly sense is what you want to increase your sensitivity towards if you want to cultivate your own evolution and your own development as a human mm. it is our sensitivity that is our greatest gift it is why humans live in every bioregion of the earth it's mm. how we've done what we've done it's because we're sensitive mm. so the idea that the the world is giving us subtle signals that we want to listen to we either listen to them and we evolve or we block them out and we devolve or we die. Right. It's just like it's kind of that simple for
1: me. That's well. Thank you. Yeah. That and, was an incredible uh argument for uh, uh sensitivity being I, I I rarely hear that. Yeah. Being so essential to our evolution and our survival, I think.
0: Yeah, that's a beautiful Schmachtenbergerism, and so. Um, but is one that I have clung on to and made my own for a number of years now. Um,
1: but the, but I think there's something important to say. There are a couple of important things to say so that the conversation we're having is a little more, just a tiny bit more nuanced. Okay. Just like to include some people who might be like, oh wait, um, one is. I started to say this, but there are plenty of people out there who already feel too sensitive for mm-hmm. this world,
2: mm.
1: and um, and in a way, they're right. That it's a really, really hard time to be a sensitive being
2: mm-hmm.
1: on the planet, um, and I was one of those people. And you know, it can manifest as depression. You can feel very isolated in your experience. Um, you know, like I've heard a lot of um, women say, it's like I've talked to a lot of women whose families get on their case because they're so sensitive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, and for me, there's like uh, the cultivation of these sensitivities Um it requires some yoga, it requires some practice. Let's just Mm. just say that uh, we sort of have to build our endurance and we have to build our mastery Mm. of of the senses. There's some work that needs to go into being a sensitive, a Mm. subtly sensitive being, Mm. okay? And part of it is uh, working with the body, opening the channels. So we're not blocked Mm -hmm. in certain places. Part of it is recognizing that a lot of sensation is, I mean, a lot of of experience is just sensation. So hot and cold, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, like uh, like right now I'm doing cold plunge every day. It's amazing. Partly it was because I was extremely sensitive to cold and it was affecting my ability to live comfortably here in upstate New York in the winter and so um so i'm training myself which as an athlete you really know like it's not enough to just be like oh i'm super sensitive to cold okay well let's like really investigate what cold is how can you hold more cold and it's working you know it's really it's incredible it's really working and and so i think there's like a a, a gymnastics Right. Or a a training of the of the sensitivities.
0: Yes. It is not a numbing of your sensitivity. It is learning how to not be overwhelmed by the signals that your senses bring in.
1: Beautiful. I mean, that is the key to the cold plunge for sure. I mean the body is like, we're gonna die. Yeah. And you're like, no, we're not gonna die. We're okay. We're okay.
0: <laughs> yes. This is a... I, I think... I, I'm so glad that you... that you turned on this avenue. Because... more and more and more and more sensitivity is... problematic without knowing how to interpret it, hold it. Yes. Um, because... Essentially, if you are monastic in your lifestyle mm. and you have a sattvic diet mm-hmm. and you live in central Oregon, you're fucked, man.
1: Well, I mean, but what, you, what I thought you were where I thought you were going, which is true, is that the monastic life is a perfect life for cultivating a certain kind of sensitivity. It is. It but is. we're not monastics, right? But, I'm not. I mean,
0: you just, the, the thing about the monastic living, which is living like a monk, is that you have to do it in an ashram? You have right. to do it where other people cook your food and they right. like someone else is going to stoke the fire for you because you're sitting there in meditation all day. Like, right, right, right. Like, like if you need to live in 2021 and earn money and pay rent and, <laughs> and, and like all of these things, like the monastic hypersensitivity is a difficult thing to muster. So, Like you said, there is this middle road and I think the middle road is not lack of sensitivity. It is a holding. It is like a interpretation of sensitivity. And the cold plunge is a perfect example for our physical sensitivities because it is so much sensation. It's so Mm -hmm. much sensation Mm -hmm. to have our bodies shiver. Mm -hmm. There's so much sensation there and to practice watching the sensation as sensation as opposed to saying, fuck, I'm cold. I'm cold. I'm cold. I'm freezing. I'm freezing. I'm freezing. This is awful. I'm freezing. I'm freezing. I'm freezing. I am freezing. I am freezing. Instead of, wow, this is a lot of sensation. Wow. Look, my body is shivering. Oh, the response is happening. Biological physiological response is happening. Wow. What an incredible machine this thing is. I dip dip myself into cold water and it has this amazing physiological response that like, floods my brain with endorphins and it like tenses all of my muscles and it makes my head want to run away. It tells my, it tells my head run away, run, run, run. Oh, this is a perfect example.
1: But I also, you know, what you're, what you're getting to, and I think it's really important is that, um, you know, we're again, we're talking about culture change
2: mm-hmm.
1: because, being in touch with your sensitivities also in relating to other people or being in community with that. Yeah. Like obviously that's going to affect the way we collaborate, yes. the way we are in relationship with yes. each other, the way we parent, the way, you know, like the way we move through space. Yes. Together. Period. Yes. Because like so Yeah, I mean there's a whole language of relating. There's a way Uh, to bring forward like I think a lot of people who are highly sensitive part of the problem is that they don't really know how to express Uh to others their Mm -hmm. experience like they don't know how to navigate in relation that I'm feeling this and it's really a lot for me right now Mm -hmm. or when you do that this is my experience Mm -hmm. you know could you like I've, I, I do like, have done so much of this work and it's ongoing, you know, I'm still a beginner and, and I love when I develop friendships with people who are ready to be in these relationships. Cause I think we're creating new culture, but it's like, you know, a close friend who was so sensitive that it's like, you know, we would be talking and he would say, could you, could, you, could we just like have a little more space? Like, let's you, could you just scoot back a foot? And I'm like, no problem. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then we mm-hmm. continue, you know? And then it's like, and it's changing moment to moment. Yes. That's the other thing is like, it's a dance, right? We're back to dancing. And uh, it's such a relief yes. when you're a sensitive being to be in the presence of other people who are, who are accepting mm-hmm. and also attuned. You yes. used that word before, and I love it. Like attuned to the environment you know, it's like,
0: and this is like intimacy. I feel like you're just describing intimacy that I'm like, okay, I think I need just like a 12 inches more, 12 more inches. Can you just like, or can you just like talk just a little bit quieter to me? Totally. Or like, Hey, can I, I'm not ready for this conversation right now. And the person doesn't take it personally. And they're like, yep, sure. And it's like, they're doing the dance. They're willing to do the dance with you. That is like kind of what I refer to as intimacy, yeah. where I Share life. what's yeah. So <laughs> what it, I'm kind of like, I'm almost wondering at this point, it's like, it sounds like if we increase our sensitivity, our choices are either refuse to be in the world as it is, or learn to harness learn to interpret learn to have space for and speak into and make requests on behalf of our sensitive experience
1: mm-hmm. beautiful
0: because the monastic way is almost like um, to refuse to be in the world in a certain sense the and world it has is-
1: purpose i mean it has there's a there's a particular need you know, there, it's, it's, it's not, you know, obviously I don't think you're saying it's an either or, but just to make that point that there is for many people at many points and for the planet, probably it's really important to have the monastic experience yes. happening. Um, but most of us aren't monastics. Yes. And so. Yeah. Just navigating. We're trying to navigate this sensory. It is a sensory experience, right? It, Life. Really is.
0: <laughs> it is a sensory experience. And there's two things that have been just like the, the term or the, the, the platitude at this point that ignorance is bliss. Mm. Ignorance is bliss. And I think that ignorance is not bliss as we've described bliss. Right. Because
1: Ignorance is numbing out, basically. It, it Ignorance is, is like it is. But it's funny because what Bob Thurman, who's one of my teachers, had his latest book is called Wisdom is Bliss.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that. There's something else that you said half an hour ago that mm-hmm. I just want to kind of bring back up here as we close. And that was you said that the subtle body is very sensual. And the subtle body loves all these different senses. And it makes me wonder if actually that the subtle body is in the subtle senses, like there is actually maybe, it just made me wonder, maybe there actually isn't a divide there. That the subtle body and the subtle physical senses are... Like that's where it lives and to bring our awareness and our, to to attune ourselves to this sensitivity that allows us to have these blissful experiences of taste, smell, touch, sight, digestion, all of these things. Maybe there's actually not a difference there. And I'm curious of like what the relationship of that is.
1: I think that's a great curiosity. I don't have an answer for you, but what comes up for me is, um, dreams mm. also, which is a subtle realm. And we have a subtle body in dreams and um, the experience of the senses is very different in uh-huh. dream. Interesting. So lucid dreaming, you know, or uh, dream yoga, um, you know, these are ways that people and yogis have learned to awaken in the subtle states, right? So you can move through the dream world with your dream body, doing things you could never do in like the physics are different. So you could do things you could never do in this material realm. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I don't know the answer to your question, but I mean, for me, the ongoing exploration is it's like a shamanic, uh assignment <laughs> that's what's coming <laughs> it's like you know moving i said this before but I may have cut out it's like moving between the worlds Uh uh-huh. though they're not different you're right they're here now yes. like it's here now i mean in the yogic uh yes. philosophy we have these sheaths the different bodies like the sheaths uh-huh. are all here there's a food sheath uh-huh, that's the most gross. It's actually called the food sheath. And uh-huh. so you know, we can relate through the like um, you know what sheath basically yes. is 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 foregrounded, is in operation. How are we relating? Yes. But yeah, it's, I mean, we're just talking about subtler and subtler levels of relating with reality. and it brings up for
0: me this like this really famous guy, Jesus Christ, who said, Do you want to be... <laughs> in the world, but not of the world.
1: Is that Jesus? Like- that's attributed to Jesus?
0: That's a Jesus. So you want to live in the, in the world, but not be of the world. Yes, that's Jesusism. And I think that really is kind of a bullseye. If we think about having our, being very sensitive, having our, like we're of a different thing. We're of a spiritual, of. we are of a very sensitive, subtle, thing yeah, but we also have to be in the world yeah refuse to be in the world we can't refuse yeah. to be in our bodies
1: yes and that's i think that that's a great place i'm glad you brought that up and we're coming full circle because we also don't want to reject experience of course like that is the difference between the transcending yeah yogic experience and the descending Path, and that's why I don't hate on burgers or beer. Yeah,
2: don't and that's condemn why. The
1: world. Yeah, exactly. Don't I mean, condemn the world. Sometimes, for me, the most advanced yogic, refined way for me to be in relation to food is to indulge.
0: Uh huh.
1: Because there's a way sometimes, like I can get too controlling or too mm-hmm. ascetic. Mm-hmm. I know that this is happening when I stop enjoying myself. Mm-hmm when I'm no longer enjoying food, when I can't taste it and I can't feel it, when I don't, when I'm like, you know, maybe from the outside, it looks healthy, but maybe I've become a little bit controlling in my experience of it. It's time to go get a beer and a burger. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. like, it's time to let go. It's time to relax and like, stop trying to manage my experience of reality. Cause reality is an om- overwhelming experience it is i mean anyone who's done psychedelics knows that this is the case mm-hmm. like if we actually experienced reality as it is we'd be uh, like blown off the hinges yeah a hundred percent of the time mm-hmm. so there's a, a there's a purpose to these sheaths. there's a purpose it's mm-hmm. like filters oh yes there's a way we are able to move through reality because of all of this um but uh but we don't want to you know we don't want to like have the ego subtly controlling our experience and we see this a lot in the wellness community and in the fitness community it's like oh i'm in bliss because i'm like really in shape or i'm really been, you know i'm really on my it's it's like yeah but what happens if you let go Uh like what if you surrendered all of that What if you just relaxed and enjoyed yourself? Like, would you be able to do that? So I know it's probably sounds like what we're talking about is this dance. It's this calibration, this knowing of yourself, because otherwise it's like, wait, earlier you were saying you really need to manage what you eat and like have discipline. But now you're saying throw it out the window. I'm like, yes,
2: yes. I know.
0: I know. And if you ever, if you ever get close to truth, it's gonna sound like a kind of like
2: a
1: Oh, that's so true. That's so true. It's so true. The paradox. We're in the paradox state. And the only place that paradox is resolved is in the heart. Mm -hmm. Like too much thinking, and you know, we'll just be like in this like wait, what zone. But yeah. I
0: love it. It's always great talking to you.
1: Uh, Thank you, Ari. Yes. Super fun. Well, I hope we, uh, I hope we were able to illuminate. I, I find that our conversations often lead me to some illumination later. You know, it's like later. as we digest.
0: Yeah, exactly. As we digest
1: exactly. it, it, starts yeah. to set in.
0: A lot of fun inquiries though, and like we just like illum- we like pulled up a bunch of threads. I'm like, oh well, which one of those do I pull on? <laughs> it's nice.
1: Well, always happy to come back and pull on more threads.
0: Okay, great. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Have a yeah. beautiful day.
0: Thank you. Okay, everybody. I hope you like that. Thanks so much, Skylar, for your time and insights. Always so fun jamming with you. Please visit areainthair.com to sign up for the newsletter. Stay up to date with what I got going on and my offerings, and check out the philosophical coaching page there to sign up for a free intro call for that and as always please consider becoming a patron on patreon for as little as five dollars a month it really just tells me thanks and i like what you're doing and it's so encouraging for me so thank you so much for listening we'll see you on the next episode more great stuff coming your way